Titus chapter number three this morning. And uh, so thankful for the service and for God's presence thus far. You pray with us and for us these next few moments that the Lord will help us and uh, that God's will will be done. Titus chapter number three. And I simply want to read three verses of scripture this morning, beginning with verse number one, then verse number eight, and then verse number 14. Titus chapter number three and verse number one. The Bible says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Then verse number eight. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto all men. Then verse number 14. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. Father, I pray this morning, God, that you'll take the word of God and speak to our hearts. Lord, that this time would not be in vain. God, we did not come this morning to hear a sermon or just set through uh, the mechanics of worship, but I pray the Spirit of God would take the message and Lord, that you would deal with all of our hearts this morning. Help us to be receptive. I pray that we would receive with meekness the engrafted word. God, may you be glorified. May your son be magnified. And may the church be edified. Save the lost and reclaim the backslid this morning. And we'll thank you in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to say on the outset of this message that when you come to Titus chapter number three, that there are several things, there's several different issues, should I say, that uh, the Apostle Paul addresses in this chapter here. He talks about in verse number one, Christian conduct. And then in verse number two, he talks about Christian character. In verse number four through seven, he talks about Christian conversion as he talks about salvation, how that it's not of works of righteousness which we have done. And then he talks in verse number eight about Christian consistency. He said, this is a faithful saying and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. And he talks about the consistency uh, in Christianity and God knows we need that. And then in verses nine through 11, he talks about Christian conflict, that there is going to be hindrances in the work of God. God and in serving God. And finally, Paul closes the chapter in verse number 12 down to verse number 15 talking about Christian comrades or companions in the ministry. And amongst these things that Paul mentions here, they're all tied into one central theme that we've read about in these three verses this morning. You'll note with me that in these three verses here that we find the phrase, good works, is mentioned three times. He said in the latter part of verse number one, to be ready to to every good work. Then in the latter part of verse number eight, he said, be careful to maintain good works. And then finally in verse number 14, he said, and let ours also learn to maintain good works. Now, why is Paul emphasizing uh, good works? Uh, he makes it very clear in verse number five that good works has absolutely nothing to do with salvation. He said in verse number five, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us. In other words, uh, salvation has to do with mercy. Salvation, he said in verse five, has to do with the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Salvation in verse number six is through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And when a man is saved, in verse number seven, it means that he is justified by grace uh, and that he has made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, Paul is 
clear when it comes to good works that it has nothing to do with salvation. I read a statement where someone came to Charles Spurgeon one time and they said, Mr. Spurgeon, do you believe in good works? And Spurgeon replied, he said, yes, I believe in good works. But he said, I also believe in chimney tops. He said, but I don't believe chimney tops is the foundation of the house, amen? And I wanna say this morning, I believe in good works, don't you? But it's by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself, not of works, lest any man should boast, amen? So it brings us to this conclusion this morning that if Paul is emphasizing good works so much in this text here, if he's making such a big deal about good works, then what is the importance of good works in the life of a believer? Why is it so important that Paul closes this epistle out by emphasizing good works? I think it's important we understand that because if it was important in Paul's day in the life of believers, then guess what? It's important in our day in the life of believers. It's important in your life and it's important in mine. What is the purpose? I think the answer is found very easily in verse number 14. He said, and let ours also learn to maintain good works. Now watch this, for necessary uses. For necessary uses. In other words, Paul said the reason that I'm emphasizing good work so much is that it's for one reason. It's for usefulness today. I want to preach this morning on that subject, on usefulness. Usefulness. You see, we're living in a time when we have a lot of useless people today. I'm not being critical in that statement. It's just a fact. If there's been ever been a time uh, when we're living in a day, uh, uh, and should I say there never has been, we are living in a time of spectators. Can I get an amen? A time of pew warmers, amen? We're living in a time when everybody's got the answer, but nobody wants to be the solution, amen? You see, it doesn't take any talent, it doesn't take any ability, it doesn't even take any effort to stand around and point out problems, uh, uh, but my friend, if you and I are going to do anything for God, we've got to be more than a critic, we've got to be more than an investigator, we've got to be more than an observer this morning, we've got to be the solution to the answer and that is we've got to be useful in the work of God, amen. I learned a long time ago, just ignore criticism, amen. It'll drive you absolutely insane and you'll never be able to get nothing done. It'll hinder your work for God. You've gotta let the critics be critics. There's always been critics. Now, I've not heard any criticism this morning, but I'm not so naive to think that there's not any because, brother lady, there's always somebody criticizing the work of God, both from within and without. But I'm not preaching on criticism this morning. I wanna reach out to somebody in this building and that wants to be more than a critic, you want to be useful in the work of life, amen, the work of God. I want to say this morning it's been said that usefulness is the rent that is due from us by be, for simply being allowed to live in this world. Usefulness is the rent that we pay for being allowed to live in God's world. You see, you and I, God created us to have purpose in this life. Isn't that right? Yes. 
We ought to have purpose in life. We ought to have purpose, more importantly, in the service of God. That Listen, you're not serving a purpose by pointing out the faults and the failures of others. It's easy to sit around and talk about, uh, well, this, uh, this is what's wrong with the nation. This is what's wrong with the church. Well, people are not doing this and people are not doing that. I don't want to spend my days uh, talking about what people are not doing. I just want to spend my days making my life count for the cause of Christ and the work of God. I can't change people and I'm not about to start trying but all I can do is change my life. I can make my life count. I can do something, allow God to work through me for the honor and the glory of God. Amen. I want to tell you this morning that usefulness requires no talent. Amen. If you want to be useful, you don't have to have a talent. Usefulness requires no title this morning. There are many people that they want a title in life. But can I tell you something about titles? Titles are only given for one reason, and that's to define our responsibilities in this walk of life. Titles are not a badge that we wear. They're not a trophy that we put on a shelf. They're certainly not something to puff up or to build up our character, our personality. But we're living in a day of title seekers, amen? But I found out that title seekers are nothing more than squatters in the ministry. What I mean by that, you know, how many of y'all know what a squatter is, amen? If somebody moves on a piece of property that's not theirs, they don't do anything with it, they just move on it and they won't budge, amen? Well, I've met plenty of those in the work of God. They'll get a title and never really do anything with it. I'd rather not have a title and do something for God as to wear a title this morning and never amount to anything. I'm telling you, listen, it requires no title. It requires no talent uh, this morning. And then it requires no trophy. Amen. Can I tell you, we're living in a time when people are given trophies for everything. I looked at the calendar the other day and I, I just laughed. Because every month, have you noticed this? Not the church calendar. I'm talking about the worldly calendar. I laughed. There is something for every single month. Now, I don't know about anybody in this building. I don't have the finances. Are y'all with me? And somebody, I heard, I heard a couple years ago, you're supposed to tip the garbage man and the mail lady. I thought that's what the U.S. government does for the mail lady. Well, of course, they don't tip nobody, do they? And then I thought about the garbage man. I pay them every month to pick up the garbage. Isn't that right? Why don't they tip me for taking the can to the end of the driveway? You want a tip? Come behind my house and drag it through the rain. Drag it through. That man sitting in that car pushing, or in that truck pushing that little button, he's not the one that needs the extra on the end of the hour. It's we that are paying double what we used to pay for them to do less than what they used to do. Amen? I mean, I grew up in a day, went on the back of a trash truck. It was the best job in the world, $3 an hour and all you could eat. Amen? I mean, listen, people had a life. I mean, it was a great job. But now they're sitting in an air-conditioned or a heated truck truck and the cab and thank God for modern convenience but the world's gone crazy amen everybody wants a reward in this life there's no winners or losers everybody gets a trophy man I wouldn't put my kids in ball if there wasn't no losers in the end amen are y'all with me I wouldn't put them in ball anyway somebody say amen but I'm just telling you this. Uh, uh, we're living in a time when that's crept in the churches. Everybody thinks they've got to be recognized. Everybody's got to be, everything they've got to have, you know, some kind of pat on the back, some pat on the head for just doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, you know, Johnny cleaned his room up. Johnny's supposed to clean his room up. 
Some of you young people, listen. I mean, listen, the SWAT team wouldn't even go in your bedroom. It's so scary looking. I'm not giving, I, I never gave my kids money for cleaning their room up. They didn't give me money for working a job and paying, taking care of them. But we reward everybody. You know what we do? We cripple a generation. Because they grow up and they think you're, everybody's supposed to pay them to do something. They think they're supposed to be paid just to breathe and, and to take in oxygen. And I want to tell you something for you. It's a privilege to have life. It's a privilege to have responsibility. I want responsibility in my life. I, I don't want to just sit and take up space and breathe God's air. I, I'm talking about free. I want to have a purpose. I want to be useful in this life. Amen. I have respect for people, for men that will get out of bed and go to work in the morning. Amen. I have respect, usefulness. I have great respect for those that are blue collar people that will work and that's what makes this country go around. It's not a man necessarily designing and drawing and I'm not against that. But you know, it's somebody's got to get down in the trenches. Somebody has got to break out and sweat. Somebody's got to uh, muscle along uh, and it's the same thing in the work of God. It requires no talent. It requires no trophies. Uh, it requires no task, Amen. What I mean by that is if you wait for someone to call on you or for something to arrive for you to do something, you're never gonna do anything for God. Brother, to be useful in this life, there's more jobs to do for God every day. I'm talking about the world is dying and going to hell. There's, a, there's track racks out there that ought to be empty. We ought to be having to fill them up constantly. You say, I want to do something for God. Get a handful of tracks and pass them out to somebody. Be useful. Well, who's going to see that? God's going to see it. The one keeping the record, the one that's tallying the sheet up, the one that is going to really pass out the rewards in the end, that's who sees that. Do something for God. I think, listen, everybody's got a task. Everybody's got a job. If you'll look, there is something you can do. In fact, the things that we are noticed for will be ashes at the judgment seat. We're talking about preachers' names on a marquee. You think there's a reward for that? No. You think that God is going to give an accolade for something we do that is on the platform that is seen? Absolutely not. Brother, I'm telling you, it's the things that people don't see that God's going to reward. I think the shock of some men is that they think pastoring a church is standing up Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. That's, if, there is, if there is an easy part, that's the easy part. And I'm not saying that's easy this morning. But what I'm saying is the work of God is laborious. You know why there is 20-something percent or less of the church and all of our churches carrying most of the load? It's because working for God is work. Doing something for God is labor. Really working for God. Who vacuums the floor? Who vacuumed the floor this week? Who dusted the pews? Who, who did those things? I know there's a cleaning committee. I don't know who did all that this week particularly, but God knows who did that. There's no trophy for that at the end of the day, but God will great will be your reward in heaven for whoever cuts the grass, for whoever picks up a piece of paper. You don't have to run around and tell somebody, I cleaned the pew up or I cleaned the choir out. God will see that. He'll bless you on the other side. I'm telling you, friend, I'm talking about making your life useful. 
And in particular this morning, look at verse number 12. Paul says to Timothy, or to Titus, when I shall send Artemis unto, you, unto thee, or Tentacus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be warning unto them. Notice these three things here. I see the team of men that Paul puts together. He puts Artemis, Tentacus, he, he talk, he's talking to Titus and he wants Titus to come to him. Paul himself is a part of this team. Then there's Zenos and there's Apollos and all of these, what a team of men. I don't, I don't really know who Zenos is and, and I'm sure we could study. I didn't take the time to study these men out. I don't really know much about Zenos. I don't know much about, uh, I know a little bit about Tentacus, but I don't know much about Artemis. These men, their name is not really highlighted in the scriptures that much. But what I do know about them is that they were on the right team and they was a part of the with the man of God, and that's what matters, and, and then he mentions in verse number 15, all that are with me salute thee. Their names are not even listed, Brother Laddie, but they were in Paul's corner. They was working with the man of God. They were being useful. Your name may not be recorded. Your name may not be in lights, but you ought to be useful in the work of God, doing what you can, where you can, as you can. For God's glory, not your own this morning. I see the team, I see the timing. Look what Paul said to Titus in the latter part of verse number 12. For I have determined there to win her. You know what Paul's doing in verse 12? He is calling on faithful men. He's calling on useful men. Because he knows the winter time is coming in his life. Paul said, I need some men that I can count on. Paul said, I'm going to have to determine, I've determined that Nicopolis is where I'm going to be at. In, where, in other words, Paul is going to be at a place in his life where he's going to be immobile. And Paul is putting things in order. He's putting men where they need to be at so that the work can get done while Paul is not on the move. While Paul can't be in two places at one time, he's putting men that are useful. These men are not gonna receive some great recognition for what they're doing, but they're just gonna take care of the task. And at the end of the day, the work of God progresses. It goes on. Is that not what this is all about? I'm telling you, it's not about the pastor of the church. It's not about the deacon board. It's not about the members of the church. I'm going to tell you what makes Bible Baptist Church so wonderful. It is the presence of God. It's about the work of God. We're not about who's who and what's what. And we're not about any of that stuff. We are, we are about getting the work of God done for God's honor and God's glory. Amen. Brother, when church becomes about any of those other things, we lose the touch and power of God. I see the timing, the men of God. You know what preachers need today? They need some faithful laborers that they can depend on in the winter times of life that will be there, some people that will be useful. I see here what he talks about, the testimony. As he says in the latter part of verse number 13, bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey. Watch this, diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. You know what Paul was concerned about in this text, why he's calling all these men together? And while he's really pushing being useful, it's for one reason. And I think it's the heart of every true man of God is that the word of God or that the work of God would not be lacking. How many of y'all would agree with me this morning? One desire we have for this church is that the work of God not lack. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you this morning, every title in this church only means one thing. It defines responsibilities. Is that right this morning? Doesn't matter who's what. Can I get an amen right there? It doesn't matter. 
All that matters is, is that we get our jobs done. Is that right? I know this is not a job, but are, are, you, are you not thankful that you're part of the work of God? And brother, I know it's about bringing glory to God, but when we work, we bring glory to God. God put Adam in the garden, why? To dress the garden, to work, uh, and working in the garden brought glory to God. And I wanna tell you, friend, we're living in a day of lazy people that don't wanna work for God. We've got lazy church members, we've got lazy preachers uh, that don't wanna work for God. The pastor I was with this week, man, we was talking about, we remember starting out when preachers were chomping at the bits to do something for God. The first place I started preaching was the Murray County Jail and the nursing home. And I loved it. I loved it then as much as I love what I'm doing now. And if I have to finish there, I'll be just as happy there as I am right here. Because it's about the work and about seeing souls saved and lives changed. And I remember preachers packed their bags. They sold everything they had. They went wherever God wanted them to go. Young men, listen to me. Make your plan, make your, you men that are preachers, make your mind up. You're going somewhere and doing something for God. Make your mind up it's not here. Go do something for God one day. So a preacher... What am I going to do? Sell everything you got and go? Which won't be much right now, will it? <laughs> you better ask your parents before you do that. <laughs> Determine it now. Before you get married. Before you have children. Make your mind up you're going somewhere. January rolled around in my last year of Bible college. I told my wife, I said, I don't know where we're going. I said, but if I got to move out west and get a job and work and start a church. I said, well, I didn't do four years of Bible college, or five years and four, or four years and five. That's what it was. I didn't do that just so that I could sit here. I'm not reprimanding any of you preachers that may be praying, but I want to do something. I said, I don't care if it's Oregon, Wisconsin. I never dreamed it'd be Rossville. <laughs> but you know what? I want to do something. I want to be useful. I'm not telling you this morning I've done everything right. I just want you to see this morning that our purpose, every member of this church, you need to be useful. You need to work. I, I, sometimes I, I told my wife, I said, you know, sometimes you, you feel bad because you're always saying, well, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. But I'll tell you something about the work of God. I know this as a pastor. If we ever sat down, we're done. We're done. I know some of y'all hate to see me coming. <laughs> I got the biggest laugh. I knew. I was, how did I know I was going to get that laugh? He's been trying to quit the bulletin for what five years now. I said, "Oh no, brother." I said, "As long as you can, as long as you can suck water through a straw and hear thunder clash, but you're going to keep on." Well, I don't care if he's 95 years old, sitting in a nursing home. As long as he can do this. He may not be able to come to any activities, but he's going to know everything that's going on. Donald Black's been trying to quit for years, and I just keep raising his salary every year. I add another zero to what we pay him every year, and he still talks about retiring. You know what I know? If I ever let you sit down, you're done. You're done. I'm done. We've got to keep working. Can I get an Amen. That's why you you got to keep coming up in steps and singing in the choir. 
I understand people get physically able. They can't come up the steps, but they're never the people wanting to sit out there. It's people 25 and 50 years younger than them. The people that don't need to walk up the steps that makes, scares me to death when they do walk up the steps, they keep going up the steps. They keep coming. They keep singing. When I know they can't, when I know they shouldn't, when I know they ought to be. You know, you say, well, why would they do that? Why would they keep driving in the, on Sunday night when they can't hardly see and they, they run a risk of, of running off the road? I wish they wouldn't do that. But you know why they keep doing that? Because they want to be useful. They want their life to count. There's no quit in them. There's no laziness in them. They can't just sit there and watch life pass them by. If they die, they're gonna die trying before they dry, dry up and die and sit still. I'm saying, friend, make your life count for God. Amen. Be useful. I can't preach these things. Let me just give them to you and we'll close. If you're gonna be useful, look at verse one. You've gotta be submissive. He said, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers. God doesn't use anybody that's a rebel. You got to get under the authority that God's put in your life. You can't be the authority and you can't despise the authority and you can't choose the authority. You got to be submissive. You've got to be spiritual. Look what he said, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawler, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Some people want something to do, but they're not ready. You got to work on you. You got to get close to God if you're going to be used. May I stop and say this? Work does not replace spirituality. I know people that they want to do something for God, they're not usable is why they're not useful. You got to get your heart right with God, get sin out of your life, and then God will use you. Self-examination. Look what he said in verse number three. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceivers, uh, uh, serving divers, lust and pleasure, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Hey, that's what they used to be. You want God to use you? Never forget what you used to be. Amen. I got three amens on that. You want God to use you? Don't forget what you used to be. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you'd be at if it wasn't for grace and it wasn't for God. Don't ever look out there at the world and say, I don't understand why they're living the way they're living and doing the things they're doing. Hey, bud, if it wasn't for grace, you'd be living the way they're living and doing the things they're doing. They're blind. They cannot see. And the only reason we know it's so wonderful is because we're walking in light. Be thankful, but don't forget where you came from. Amen. You know, I met men. God help, I've met preachers who think the people of God owe them something. <laughs> I hear the talk. Brother, I don't tell you, God's people don't owe me nothing. <laughs> I owe them everything. I'm a debtor. Paul said, I'm debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Brother, I'm a debtor. How many of y'all are a debtor this morning? If you never give me another penny, if you never do another thing for me this morning, I ought to just be thrilled. Amen. Now pay me if you can, all right? <laughs> I don't want to be sitting on the side of the road. I, but the truth of the matter is, you say, preacher, what if we couldn't pay you? I'd get a job. Amen. Amen. Might relieve a little stress, amen. 
I'm talking about work. Uh, listen, don't be afraid to work. Don't be ashamed to work. Uh, if you go to work every Monday morning and punch a clock and feed your family and live for God, you ought to hold your head up. You ought to thank God for a good job. Uh, you ought to praise God. Uh, have some dignity and some character. I think there's something to be said about men that will work in these last days. Amen. There's no respect for somebody that'll be lay on the couch and draw a check when they're well-bodied and able and can go to work, amen? And there's nothing spiritual about that. I'm telling you, friend, those that are working, they're constantly self-examining themselves. Don't you wanna be a better member today than you was yesterday? I know I wanna be a better pastor. I pulled a sheet of paper out not too long ago and I wrote at the top of that paper, what's wrong with me? Now, I didn't let my wife see this. I said, what's wrong with me as a husband? What's wrong with me as a father? What's wrong with me as a pastor? It's a very painful thing to write down because it hurts your pride. But oh, it'll help you. It'll help you. And you have to ask God to show you. Because your first knee reaction to that is, oh, there's not anything wrong with me. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. Let God, he'll, he'll tell you things that'll shock you about yourself. What's wrong with us this morning? Self-examination is a good thing. Salvation, you gotta be saved if you're gonna be usable. In verses four through seven, he talks about salvation. If you don't know you're saved, you need to nail that down and you can nail that down and you should nail that down. Don't go another day not knowing you're saved. Then I wanna say steadfastness in verse number eight. You've got to... Be consistent in what you do. You got to get up and do the same thing every day. Amen. The man on the job that's consistent is the man that's successful. You can't be a dreamer. You got to be a worker. Some people have big dreams, but that's all. There's no dedication to their dreams, so that's all they are is just dreams. You got to be a worker if you want to be useful. Be busy. Be busy for God. Do something. You got to get off Facebook. Somebody say amen. amen. Social media. You can't spend six hours a day on social media and do anything. Somebody say amen. That's right. You can keep up with everybody and do everything, but I'm telling you, what kind of a life is that? Amen. If it's one o'clock and you're still sitting in your gown at a computer working on something, you need to get up and do something. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't run around in your pajamas all day. Amen. amen. Is that right? I made four people mad when I said that. Get up and do something. Get up and dress yourself. For God's sake, dress yourself. Brush your teeth, comb your hair, put some deodorant on, work around the house. Amen. I mean, I'll tell you, if you, I'll tell you there is some place, there is a place scarier than Walmart, I found out. It's airports. Brother, my biggest fear on a plane now is not crashing. It's the person I'm going to have to sit next to <laughs> when I crash. <laughs> I watch some people get on a plane and I think, oh, Lord, please don't let them sit next to me. Please don't. You say, why? Because I can tell they just crawled out of the bed. I seen a guy get on an airplane the other day. I mean, he had pillow marks. I mean, he'd run from Dan to Beersheba. I mean, I'm telling you, all through his head, come down through. I said, I know that guy's mouth hasn't seen a toothbrush in six weeks, I guarantee you. Not shaved, got his, he got his pajamas on and a big coat over it like we don't know. <laughs> Talk about being useful. 
Talking about having some character, being steadfast. Something about getting up in the morning and getting ready and tackling the task that's before you. And then you've got to stand. Look what he said in verse number 9. But avoid foolish questions, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law. Why? For they're unprofitable and vain. Well, I'll tell you something that's happened in the work of God that's so discouraging. Is I've watched preachers and I've watched church members get distracted by foolish things. Contentions. Everybody don't have to do things like me. I may not agree with everybody and I'm not compromising when I say that. I'm not changing my convictions or my standards, but I'm not going to waste my time fighting the brethren. Amen. Or fighting church members when there's too much to be done. Can I get a witness on that? It's why I tell you, so-and-so made me mad. Get over it. Get over it. Well, I don't like what... Did you hear what that preacher said? Who cares? I don't care. Well, I I heard some preachers the other day arguing about something about another preacher. And and they said, we were sitting at the table and someone was sad and I I just kept my mouth shut. I don't care. You get to a point in life, Brother Laddie, you just don't care about them things. Brother, I'm telling you, those are distractions of the devil. And the Bible says you better avoid them things. Judgment seat's going to iron everything out. And I'm going to tell you, ain't none of us got it together like we wish we had. I'm just going to show mercy. I'm not going to compromise, but I'm going to show mercy on the brethren because one day and every day, but one day at the judgment seat, I'm going to really need some mercy standing there. I'm going to need a whole lot of forgiveness when I stand there. So I'm just going to try my best with God's grace and help to exercise as much as I can while I'm down here because I sure am going to need it over there. I don't want to compare myself to other men or their ministries, or what they're doing. The Bible says that's unwise. And then I close with this thought here this morning. Supporters. We need supporters. Look what Paul does in verse 12 and 13. He surrounds himself with other men to help him do what needs to get done. Brother, no man's an island to himself. There are no supermen in the work of God. You young preachers remember this, and you young people remember this. There's nothing wrong with looking up to men of God. We can name a host of them. There's men of God that I look up to. But including your pastor when I say this, there are no supermen in the ministry. We're just men. That's all we are is men. Underneath this suit of clothes is just a man. And I had a man who needs God more now than ever. You want to be useful? Realize something. Realize something. I need you. And you need me. And you need this church. I have met people that they think that they, they think they are really the one doing the work for God. And, and nobody in the church is doing what they ought to be doing. And they may say, well, I'm not saying that. But in their actions, they say, you need the church. You better immerse your family in the church. You cannot, listen to me, hear me and hear me well this morning. You cannot serve God effectively trying to do something outside the umbrella of the church. You say, well, I don't agree with the church on everything. doesn't make no difference. Nobody does anything for God, rogue. Nobody serves God on their own. Brother, if God puts his hand of blessing on anything, I'll tell you how he'll do it. He'll do it through the local church. 
That's how he does it. Through the local church. His bride is who he blesses. This morning as we stand, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to be useful. I want my life to count, don't you? They don't have to remember my name. There don't have to be no applause in the end. But I would like to hear the one voice that really counts in life. I'd like to hear him on the other side say, well done. Well done. That's worth more than any title or any trophy or any anything. Just to hear him say, you did well. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of thy Lord. While Brother Brian sings this morning, if you need to come, would you come say, God, use me.